You are listening to Empower Me with Aerie. Hey everyone, this is Aerie with Empower Me with Aerie podcast. I am super excited you guys decided to tune in because I know that you are going to be blessed by today's session. I am super excited about who we have connected with us today. And um, some of you may know of know him and some may not, but once you know, after this session is done, I know that you're going to be enthused to connect with him and to, to learn more about him. Today, we are going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly, but worth the call and the purpose. Proverbs 19.21, it mentions, you can make many plans, but the Lord's plans will prevail. In life, we set plans, get excited about plans, are so secure within our own plans. But in the end, it's God's plans that matters most. We have to be willing to let go of selfish desires and be willing to, um, you know, let go of selfish desires is not building up the kingdom, even if it's things that we really love to do. We have to understand everything that we love to do is not exactly what we may be called to do or what, or what our purpose may, uh, you know, may be uh, what we're supposed to be following after. We are a reflection of God and there are people out there who need us to shine in their lives. I'd like to welcome today Pastor James Earl Cray. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Sir, can you go ahead, introduce yourself more in depth? What's your story and where are you from? Um, so first, thank you so much and I appreciate you allowing me the opportunity to be on. Um, as mentioned, my name is James Earl Cray. I'm originally from Hazelhurst, Georgia, a little small country town in Southeast Georgia. Um, my story is as many. Um, athletics was the escape out of the area where I'm from. Um, it, was, it was the primary route to get into college, so I excel at athletically and academically um, at the high school level, played several sports, but football was a sport that um, really gave me the avenue, so I ended up going to Troy University. Um, church has always been a part of who I was. You know, mm. grandmama, like many in the South, you know, my grandmama raised me in the church, took me to church. But um, when you when you kind of expand out and go to college and you're an athlete and then I join a fraternity, okay. um, so, so, so the social life turned up and um, just kind of took a different route for a while. But as always, prodigal son story, God brought me back. And it's interesting because it was a call that was that was relatively unique. Mm. I was just in my house and uh, I audibly heard the voice of God call me in a moment while I was I was drinking a Budweiser and watching the third season of Martin. Wow. And, um, <laughs> I heard the audible voice ask me, can you promote me the same way you promote your fraternity? So I responded. Yeah. And um, from there, I text everybody on my phone if they would be interested in a Bible study. And that's how the ministry started for me. That's my story. Um, that was 14 years ago this October. Okay. So it's, it's been a journey. Yeah. Okay. That is powerful. That is amazing. When we uh, choose to decide, like, listen, God, I'm going to go with your plan and I'm going to let go of, or it's not really, we don't have to let go of everything, but it's learning mm -hmm. what to put first, you know, like seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things to be added. If we learn to uh, prioritize in this proper alignment, then everything will flow well. And so what I want to kind of go into next talking about change of plans, going through the good, bad, the ugly, not letting um, go of your purpose through it all. Can you tell us about times where you thought you would be doing something else in life, but God said, no, I have a bigger and better plan. And it, you kind of shared a little bit about it um, 
yeah, you kind of shared a little bit about it, and I'll just uh, share something with you guys as well. Uh, when I was, let's see, I think I started maybe about 16 or 17 years old. Um, and modeling and, and, and acting, I had started modeling first, and then, of course, acting. And it was, honestly, every casting call, everything that I would go to, God would allow me to get it. And I'm like, okay. But my... Um, I kind of, when that happened, I kind of began to ignore the voice of God and want that even more. I wanted the, the modeling and the acting and stuff, the gigs and stuff like that just to be seen. And so God had to get my attention and to let me know, like, listen, I've, I've called you to be within this mountain, but you have to learn what your purpose is. You have to learn like it's bigger than you. It's bigger than just, you know, being in front of the screen just for myself, right. but there's a message behind it that God wants us to be a light to other people for. So can you kind of share about a plan that you thought, you know, how things you thought would go one way and then all of a sudden it was like, no. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so from the age of five, right, I wrote okay. a letter to my mom and my dad um, telling them how I would go to the NFL and how I'll buy them houses, buy them cars. I'm five years old. That's when I declared it. Wow. So, you know, we believe spiritually, like, you know, you speak those things that are not as though they are. So right. at five, I'm speaking the NFL into my life. Wow. Um, and I told myself as I got older, um, I come from a very rural area where guys typically didn't get division one scholarships athletically. Mm -hmm. So all the people around me were like, man, you're never going to get a scholarship. And while they were saying that, I was always speaking, I am going to get a scholarship to a division one college. So I started telling my friends in high school, man, if I go to Division One, I'm going to the NFL. So from five to 18, I'm speaking this into my life. Wow. I get to college. I sign a full athletic scholarship with a Division One school in Troy, Alabama, Troy University. And it's, it's just looking right. By my sophomore year of college, I'm a full-time starter. So nothing is telling me that I'm not going to the NFL. Um, and then about the end of my junior year, things started shifting. Like I just started, mm. I started feeling different. I started wanting to separate myself from the crowd of people that I would hang with. Mm -hmm. And um, in the instant I got injured and that's when it, it went, it just went sideways. I ended up playing through my senior year. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had a couple trials with NFL teams, but the last, the last workout I had with an actual arena team, a professional team, um, I had an epiphany like none other. God came to me and literally said, this ain't it. Mm. Um, so I, I went back home, um, went back to Troy, actually, where I was living at. And it was in that moment that God started working on me. I was still training for the NFL. Wow. I had talked to NFL scouts. I was playing professionally with arena teams. And God literally told me this ain't it. Mm. And uh, so my whole life shifted. You know, so when I didn't get wow. drafted into the NFL, mm -hmm. I was upset with God. Like, how can you not? Allow, I've been speaking this since I was five right. years old, God. And your word says... You know, if I have faith the size of a grain of Come mustard, on. Like, you know, I, so I'm quoting God's word back to God about this plan I set for my life. Oof. But God was preparing me through athletics and academics and the failures, the highs and the lows of athletics for what I'm doing right now. So my plan was I supposed to be making millions right now. My mom should be set, never have yeah. to work again. You know, my, right. my dad. Um, but yeah, so that was my plan. And I believed it from five. But at 25, God changed it. Wow, that is, changed it. Yeah. that is amazing. Oh, my goodness. And um, it's and I kind of want to share this about um, I, I wanted to share this because 
when we speak of bigger and better at times, it's hard for us to see that we can have greater in life because we're so comfortable with where we're at. And mm -hmm. like you said, hey, I, I see myself as this NFL star. I see myself making millions. And you're like, listen, God, like, what's going on? And sometimes it's, uh, sometimes we have that resistance or you kind of want to argue back and forth with God, like, okay, you know, not really wanting to let go. And it's hard for us to trust the plans that God has for our lives at times, just to be transparent. This is, it's right. not an easy thing. It really isn't. Um, but how, how did you learn to really trust God and let go for the plan that he had for your life? I mean, just some practical things. What did you, what did you do? Well, I, actually, I'm still getting there, right? Okay. So, uh, <laughs> the, the, the process has been really interesting and God had to bring people into my life to remind me that, hey, you've been on this journey for a long time. So for instance, one of my friends came to hear me preach. Mm -hmm. He was like, man, it's crazy because I remember you used to read Bible verses before every high school game. Wow. And I, I thought about, oh, and I used to read it for, as an incentive from God to get, to have a better game, not knowing right. I was bearing the word deep down inside me then. And people were remind me when you were a kid, you used to come up in front of the church and just dance like crazy. And when you used to do Easter speeches, like you were the loud and clear one that spoke over the microphone and wow. you remembered the speech. So God was showing me through these people that, mm -hmm. son, I've been working on you and building you for this the entire time. So it has brought me to a place where I have no choice but to trust. Wow. If you've been preparing me for this since Easter speeches, God, <laughs> like certainly I can let go of the thing that I thought was going to set my life up and put it all in your hands. And that's what I've done. Oh my goodness! No, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And it, and when we look back at the, when we look uh, at things retrospect, it is absolutely amazing how like bits and pieces and how the puzzle goes together. And you're like, I had no idea, but when I look back, like you said, people were reminding you. You were up speaking boldly, doing Easter speeches at a at a young age, and it's like when you come to that realization, you really can't argue back with God. You're like, okay, yeah. you really were preparing me for what I am doing right now. So that's, that's amazing. I'm wow. That's powerful. Um, and so I want to ask you this. So when we think about, um, you think about Gideon, you know, and, and how he looked at himself and he had every excuse and he felt inadequate. He felt like he couldn't carry out the call. And he's like, who me? I'm the least, you know, we're the least of, of, of I'm the least of the clan. We're the least. <laughs> And you and you're choosing to uh, to to have me go and set people free. Did you ever feel inadequate to carry out the call? Was there ever fear? I know sometimes we literally have to go forth afraid, go forth even though we don't know everything, you know. And God will constantly encourage us to say, um, you know, do not fear, be courageous, like He told Joshua, be courageous. We so have to constantly remind us of that because sometimes the call can. It, it can be so big, the things that God's showing us, and you like, oh my God, can, can I do this? So did you ever feel like inadequate? Like, after you got in it, like, I cannot, I know he prepared you for, but were there ever moments you were like, okay, <laughs> I can't do this? Or did that fear try to come in and kind of talk you out of where you were or where you were supposed to be? Yeah, it's funny because um, it's now that I'm a pastor that the inadequacies come. So when I was doing mostly evangelistic work, um, so I've been pastoring now two and a half years. Okay. But when I was doing mostly evangelistic work, didn't wasn't responsible for a body of people. Mm. I had I was way more bold and mm -hmm. I was way more confident in the call. But it's when 
I found I was responsible for souls mm. that now the inadequacies come. Wow. And when you build in a ministry like we have from the ground up with zero members or zero partners, as we call them, and you look across the street at brothers mm. and sisters your age and you see them like they're they're packing out the place thousands and 15, 20, you know, 1,500, 22,000 people or whatever. Um, it began, I began to ask myself, like, God, am I even, did you really mm. call me to do this? Because mm. here we are averaging like 62 people a Sunday mm -hmm. in this rural area. But my brother over here, who's my same age, been passed from the same time, mm. he's in Atlanta and they, they got to go to three services. Mm. You know, so mm. the inadequacies have really um, struck me as a pastor, not so much doing ministry before. That, that was seemingly easy compared to what this pastoring journey is like. Mm -hmm. So a lot of inadequacies, inadequacies come even as of yesterday, right? Because I'm preaching my heart out. I'm refreshed. I came back from vacation. And yeah. it's like I went to the one church LA with uh, Pastor Torre yeah. and Sarah Jakes. And I walk in a place and everybody's so hungry. Like she could have said, all dogs go to heaven. And they would have just jumped through the room. <laughs> wow. And then I come, I come home and pastor yesterday. And yeah. I'm expecting that atmosphere yeah. and our atmosphere is different. And I know this, but now I asked myself yesterday after preaching, like, God, did you really call me to do this? Why don't mm. we look like, like Sarah and, and, and Pastor Teray? But God has to continually re remind me, son, I called you to this rural area mm. for this specific body of people. So yeah, pastoring makes the inadequacies and looking across the street at my brothers and sisters um, creates, you know, doubt sometimes. So yeah, I deal with it often. Okay. Okay. So, um, what advice would you give to somebody that's dealing with that right now? Like that's feeling inadequate within their position. What would you say? Like one or two things, what would you say to them? The primary thing I'll probably tell them is exactly what I preached yesterday. Mm. If the shoe fits, wear it. Come right? on. Uh, so the, the thing that I'm learning, even in the message yesterday is God has anointed each and every one of us for a different call. Yeah. And you have to be okay. If you answer the call, you got to be okay with where the call takes you. Come on. And, the, and the call has brought me to a rural area that has a total of 4,192 people. Wow. And I got to be okay with the fact that, Cray, you answered the call. So now this is where the call has brought you. So mm -hmm. anybody that's dealing with inadequacies and looking at other ministries and wondering if they've really been called, my encourage, encouragement is if the shoe fits you, then wear it and wear it proudly. Come on. That's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. And when you were talking, I just wanted to kind of share this. Um, I like to flow. But um, I definitely see you reaching different areas, different facets, like, you know, hitting the social media game. I mean, hitting, uh, traveling and doing more things. I see God really using you and making your name great for his name's sake because your heart is right. So it's like, at times we sit there and like you said, you, you, we kind of, we're, I mean, we're humans. We definitely have the spirit in us. You know, we have, a, we're spirit, but we're humans. And we, we oftentimes compare ourselves to other people because it's so natural to do that. You like, okay, well, you know, I'm 30 such and such and they are too, but they're like, here and um it sometimes that can be dangerous because we sit and we sulk and we can get depressed uh from somebody else's process you never know what another person had to go through to actually have that type of exposure but when we right. take the time to say god i'm gonna trust you and i know that you know what you're doing 
he will blow our minds. So I just encourage you to just keep moving, you know, keep going strong with everything that God has called you to do. And I love your transparency. You just said as of yesterday, some people, they don't, you know, there some people allow pride to prevent them from actually telling the truth. And the truth is what's going to literally set people free. Not only will it set us free, but it's what's going to set pe- other people free. A lot of times people look at pastors and they look at, um, so, you know, celebrities, athletes, and they're like, oh my gosh, I, I want this and I want that. But they don't know what goes on behind the scenes. They don't know right. what it takes to actually get up there and do, to do a sermon the voices that you have to combat, like, God, I hear your voice, but this voice is telling me, like, you know, you'll, you'll always have 50 members. You know, you'll always do this, yeah. that, and just um, kind of like the battle that you have to, to go through. But I just really commend you. I really do. Um, keep going it. strong. Like I said, I, I uh, listened to seeing some of your messages and listen to some, uh, some of your snippets that you put on, on Instagram and whatnot. And I love the authenticity, you know, mm-hmm. of the messages and, um, and how you bring them. You'll bring something uh, simple. Like I love, it was like uh, get rid of toxic things. And you mm-hmm. literally had a toilet yeah. stew on the stage. Yeah. And sometimes we need that. And this is why right. God called you to be authentic. And like that message you spoke about, about if the shoe fits, you wear it because he knows what we need to see. He knows what your congregation needs to see. Like right. sometimes it's hard for people to let things go just mentally and say, okay, cast your cares on God for he cares for you and just let it go. But when you actually have a powerful demonstration as such as a toilet stew, when you're like, God, I literally just thought about what it was and I wrote it down and I put it in a stool and it's flushed. I don't have it anymore. That right right there could be the one thing that sets, even if it's one person that keeps that one person from committing suicide, that, you know what I mean? Encourages that one person to keep moving forward. So Keep going, man, and God, there's some um, amazing things that God, that God is going to continually do for your life. I just wanted to share that with you. This I receive not, it. <laughs> this is not scripted, but when you feel led, you have to you have to move the way that God uh, tells you to move. And so, that. yeah, no problem. So um, when we were talking about answering the call, and I guess this, we did talk about the inadequacies, but I wanted to, to um talk about what was what has been one of the most challenging situations that you've faced as a senior pastor and how have you over overcame it I mean um it was there one particular thing uh that was you know what was one thing that you had to to deal with I think the greatest thing um the greatest challenge that I'm that I'm currently dealing with um as a pastor is I'm a heart-led leader Mm -hmm. so I lead with my heart first and mm. for anybody that knows and understands church culture, people come and they go. Yeah. And I get my heart so involved with people mm. that when they leave, I take it personally sometimes. Yeah. I don't understand. And the reality is people shift. Their lives shift. They come, they go, they get new jobs. They move to different places. Their kids graduate and then they, they seemingly retire. You know, So different things happen and different shifts take place. And the greatest challenge that I have and that I'm having is just leading, learning to lead with my heart, but not be attached, mm. right? Because when you get attached to people and they, they separate, then detachment issues come. And it's never a personal thing um, when a person decides to leave, if they get elevated mm. in the job and have to move to a new city or 
you know, even if they have to shift ministry, you know, it's never yeah. a personal thing. So my greatest challenge right now as a pastor has been to lead with my heart, but not get attached. Okay. No, that's dope. That's dope. And it, it just, it uh, really goes back to um, the scripture about, you know, one planting, one water, but it's God that gives the increase. So it's like, if you've done your job and we're like, listen, I've done my job, God, it didn't definitely didn't turn out the way, you know, that I thought I wanted them to stay. When we've done our job, we have to be like, okay, I dust right. my hands off and I'm going to keep moving and, and, you know, and stay encouraged. And so what is one of the most beautiful things as a senior pastor that you've observed from actually carrying out the call, walking in your purpose? Watching people grow. Um, we, we have a lot of people who've grown. So our church, a lot of people come that are unchurched, if you will. Mm. So they, they kind of popped in and out of church. But watching people grow, for instance, I always brag about these ladies. Two of the ladies on our praise team mm -hmm. were club girls. Like, okay. that's all they did was party, go out, have mm -hmm. a good time, enjoy life. And now to see their growth every Sunday, they're up singing praises and giving glory to God. Um, mm -hmm. So that it's, it's the growth of people. And then we have a lot of young people and uh, to see some of our some of my spiritual daughters and sons go out to college and bring their friends back from college just to worship at Impact. So seeing that growth has just been the most beautiful thing. I think that's the thing that really motivates me and makes me wake up every morning to see people spiritually grow. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Um, so how do you stay faithful even when you get drained? Uh, I mean, it maybe the question may be a little redundant but how do you stay faithful when you don't feel like doing it when you don't feel like getting up when you're you know just being real yeah. and transparent is right. it there, there, it's, it's it's a reality and i think one thing before i answer it that more leaders need to be honest and transparent about mm. is that doing this is draining oh wow like from entrepreneurship to ministry it's draining yeah. you get tired you want to mm -hmm. stop you want to give up um, but I think the thing that, that keeps me going is what I mentioned earlier. God was preparing me a long time ago. I thought God was making me like an, an elite athlete, right? I thought God was preparing me to be, to when you get hit hard, you get back up. All those things that I heard as a football player are now playing a major role in this spiritual journey. Oh so God. now, Craig, when you get hit hard, you get back up. When you're tired, it's the fourth quarter. You got to push wow. a little bit more. So everything that I heard as an athlete is just keeping me motivated. And the beautiful thing was I was taught early as an athlete to be self-motivating. Yeah. So now I'm just doing what David did. I'm patting myself on the back and encouraging myself. So yeah. when I'm down and I'm drained, it's like, dude, I'm in there having a pep talk with myself like it's a football game. Like, come on, man, you got to get up. You got one more service to go. You got to pray for one more person. Yeah. Push through. You'll have, a time, you'll have time to sleep and rest tonight. You know, so it's really... Honestly, what I learned as an athlete <laughs> has really been beneficial to this spiritual journey. And I, I think um, the encouragement to the people is look back at the things that you went through throughout your life mm. and, you, and use those carnal things now in the spiritual journey. Yes, yes, yes. That is, that is so true. I hear so many people talk about that. Yeah. Like, seriously, if, if somebody, I heard somebody that, um, I won't mention their name, but uh, they were so used to being a fighter out in the streets and they just fought, fought, fought like most of their lives. Then God called them and he was saying, I want you to be a fighter for me. Use that same energy that you use, but you, you shift it. 
shift it in a more positive way and learn how to fight um, against the enemy with using the word of God, that same yeah. tenacity, that same momentum, you know? And so it's, it's true. I hear that all the time. And it's so powerful that you shared that. And this next question kind of goes with exactly what we're talking about. Uh, I want to talk about patience through the process. Uh, was having patience a challenge for you when you stopped sports and started ministry um, full time? I don't, and I don't want to assume if you um, you do this full time and yeah. do you only okay full time and um, and how did you overcome or is it it's still a process as far as like being patient from one from one season to the next with what God has called you to do? It's interesting because for me, I'm a very impatient person, mm. but to people, they seem to think I'm really patient. <laughs> so so it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, but um, I think again, and, and just kind of comparing everything to pastoring, because again, doing evangelistic work was a little bit easier. Mm. Um, it was, I was able to be a lot more patient, but in this journey, I'm a visionary and like, I like to see stuff pop up. Right. So I've right. been, the, the beauty of God is sometimes God will force you to be away. Right. So God has forced me to be patient yeah. um, by allowing me to bump my head in some situations, trying to rush and get stuff done. Cause we're renovating a building that was built in 1933. Right. So oh, wow. okay. in, in renovation, I've done stuff because I was in such a rush. And then when you renovate it, you get it redone and it falls right back down. Mm. God is like, see, I told you, just mm. wait until the right contractor or the right carpenter comes along. Mm. So a lot of my patience that's been developed has been in the process of God. Let me bump my head yeah. and say, look, I told you. So really, I think overcoming patience is sometimes you have to allow God to force you to be patient. Yeah. Because a lot of us, it, there's no, I have an experience and maybe you have, but there's no training or there's no <laughs> one, two, three, four step of how to develop patience. Right. And for me, it's been the process of you bump your head. I told you so by God. Mm -hmm. And now you learn to be patient in the next thing. So the next time I get ready to renovate the bathroom, just for an example, I'm going to be a little bit more patient. I'm going to check all my options. I'm going to see who's mm. out there. I'm going to measure prices. I'm going to check oh, their workout God. first. Right. Like, I'm not just going to meet them in Walmart and say, oh, you do bathrooms? Come do hours. <laughs> no, let me see your workout. <laughs> right. right. So it was, it's been forced patience. And I, I thank God for it. It hasn't felt good all the time. Mm. But, yeah. But I, I appreciate God with his moments of, I told you so. Oh, my goodness. It's helped me develop patience, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, and it so builds to your story. I did a post recently about uh, patience being a beautiful thing. And some people mm -hmm. may just want to scroll past that real quick. But it's the truth because yeah. you're absolutely right. Like, it's like, God, I want this, and I see this, and everything look i need somebody to do this and guess what they're right here they would qualify so i'm just gonna make it happen and then um you know i've done that in my life and but i've always ended up back at the same place and i'm Absolutely. like god you know what i mean it's just like okay a year older but <laughs> at the same right. place within this in this certain um area and so i just said okay god I see what's going on. I need to literally be patient because actually, uh, because patience can produce something so beautiful and right. patience will bring us something beyond expectation. If we right. just sit back and exhale and say, okay, okay, God, I know you got this. But no, I think so many people deal with impatience and you're looking at a person <laughs> that's learning, that's learning to like overcome that as well because there's so many things I, I'm just like, 
let's get this done and move on to the next thing. And God was like, no, no, let me build you up a little bit more. Let me teach you some more things so that you can help even more people and build to your story. Um, and so I want to ask you, we were talking about the process and, and patience and being in the call. Uh, did you ever run from the call? I, I heard you earlier and it kind of sounded like you were like, okay, I hear you. You just kind of transitioned smoothly in it. But just for uh, clarification, I want to ask you, did you ever run from the call? And if you did, what was one of the biggest like moments, kind of like aha moments that happened that said, no, come back and get back on track? So I actually... I didn't run from the initial call into ministry, but I okay. ran from the call to pastoring. Because mm. evangelism is so great. You get to travel. <laughs> you get to go and preach and leave yeah. folk alone. Don't have to worry about, you, know, <laughs> right. you don't have to manage a facility. You don't have to pay bills on the building. You don't have yeah. you know, so evangelistic work was beautiful. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I was, I was saying to myself, like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to just travel, preach, empower people, pray mm. for people, go home. Mm -hmm. I want to be responsible for taxes on land. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Right. But, so I didn't want a pastor. I never wanted to pastor. Mm. Um, but, but again, when the time came up, my mentor sat me down. And um, this, was, this was three years ago. Mm -hmm. He sat me down and he was like, are you ready? I was, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm about to get elevated because I'm serving under him. I'm like, Ready for what? He was like, I think it's time for you to go back home. Wow. I was like, what? Wow. I was like, I was like, what make what make you think that? Mm. He was like, that's what God has placed on my heart. He said it was never for you to be here for 10, 15 years. Oof. He said it's it's time for you to go back home now. And then he paralleled it. He said, before Jesus um died on the cross and got elevated back to the throne, he had to go through Jerusalem. Mm. He said, now you gotta go back to your Jerusalem. It, that thing tore me up. Oh, wow. It me up. And uh, it took, he gave, he told me, pray about it. I didn't pray. I was just like, nah, this ain't it for me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but he, he called me. He was like, man, listen, this is the plan. So God placed um, the right mentor in my life at that time to just, because I would have never, I was so comfortable. You, yeah. I was working for, I was serving for a mega ministry. Mm -hmm. I was doing well financially. I was doing well traveling. I had mm -hmm. just written a book. So I was able mm -hmm. to promote the book all these great things. And then he called me in the office and the mentor, just, just the right mentorship at the right time just kept me from, cause I would have never, I would have never walked in the past. And it's just, it just felt like too much. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I didn't run from the ministry call. I came right in when God called me in the ministry. It was just, I was not pastoring. Like I told my <laughs> friends, pastoring is not my thing. Like, I'm not doing that. And uh, sure enough, God called me in. So finally I just, I ran into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know that's going to help so many, many people who yeah. may be kind of like teeter-tottering or maybe like, oh my gosh, I can't, uh, can't see myself really doing that. I see myself serving you, God, but being that, I don't know about yeah. that. I think that's what this, that question, the answer to that question is going to help so many people that just, just let go and just fulfill the call, you know? So thank you for sharing that in your transparency. Um, I kind of mentioned this earlier about the authenticity that you carry. And like I said, I've watched um, some of your messages and I could really feel like the kingdom heartbeat that you have for God's people. And, you know, speaking of being authentic, how did you 
how did you really learn how to uh, to stay authentic and not get caught up in just like in being traditional, you know, not getting caught up in religiosity, um, looking like every other church. And, and I've heard you mention other analogies about like the shoe fit you wear, other stuff like that. But how did you get to that point of really embracing like being the best you? How did you how did you get there? It's been a process when okay. I first started. When I first started ministering, started preaching, I was very traditional. Mm. Um, I knew what I knew because I've been around church growing up. So I literally, this is a funny story. I wore Steve Harvey suits with checkerboard jackets. Oh, wow. I had wow. a gold ring, gold ring on each pinky <laughs> finger. And yeah. So I, that's what I had seen. I thought yeah. that's what church looked like. Oh, so yeah. I wore body suits and Stacey Adams shoes. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm, 20, <laughs> I'm 23, 24 years old, and I'm looking you know, 45 years old, years <laughs> yeah. old. Um, and all I listened to was like quartet music. So it was uh, Lee Williams and the wow. Cantor Spirituals. And I wouldn't even listen to Kent Jones and none of these people. Mm. And I just had a moment with God, you know, and mm. and I was, it was, I'll never forget, I was out ministering and a young boy came up to me and he saw me, he was like, you got these tattoos. And I was like, yeah. He was like, man, you can have tattoos and be a preacher and I was like yeah and that was that was the transition for me I would never even wear short sleeves because I was insecure mm. about just being myself mm -hmm. and I got to a place where it was just about like you said being the be the very best version of myself yeah. and so I still love suits like I love Taylor suits but it's got to be for an event I'm not preaching and it's too hot number one <laughs> um, and I just I just appreciate being able to to be loose and to have a good time and enjoy what God has called me to do. And one thing my mentor told me in preaching to how I, I became so authentic, because we, we're always taught, you know, you'll hear preachers pray it all the time, God hide me behind the cross. Mm. And, you know, God remove me and place yourself. And he told me, he said, God didn't call you to preach to be hidden behind the cross. Wow, come and on. God didn't call you to replace you with someone else. Oh, God wow. chose you because of your personality and who you are. Yeah. So he taught me the importance of preaching through your personality. Yes. And that has made me the authentic person. That helps me to be creative. Because yes. I watch, I listen to music. I watch TV a lot. So I see these things. I read a lot. So mm. I'm able to now be authentic in who I am because I do ministry through my personality. Yeah. Wow. That is, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm telling you, if um, if we would just learn to let go and to be our authentic selves, we will go so much further in life and God will be able to use us so much more. There's a lot of fear that's associated with being yourself because some people, number one, they don't really know who they are. You know, number two, it's like um, they're too busy comparing themselves with this person, that person. They think you have to be this cookie cutter, you know, image of this person to get to this level when that's not even the case. You know, a guy had to share with me um, previously, like, there's a lot of things that people pray for. And they're like, God, why am I not getting this? And number one, a huge reason can be because you're not being yourself. How can somebody literally find you or somebody give you exactly what you need if, you know, if they can't see the authentic you? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so um, being authentic is 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 a blessing it's a blessing it takes courage it takes boldness because some people will look and say well you know you're supposed to be a pastor this and that but we have to learn to um be we have to learn to understand that god what god says is more important than what anybody else says regardless of that be delivered from other people's opinions and so that's that's so amazing 
that, um, you know, you let go and was like, I'm going to be myself. And, right. and I've seen like, uh, you know, the people that, hey, you've shown people in the audience before and the people that came up on the stage, I noticed that it was, uh, you had, and I'm going to get into that about the younger generations and the other generations. And, and I see how, I see how they're attracted to you because of the realness. And that is, this is the most important generation. You know, mm -hmm. this younger generation now because they are the future leaders. And right. if they don't have the authenticity that they need, they don't have the examples that they need now, oh my goodness, we right. literally could be in trouble. So um, I, I, again, I commend you for the authenticity and saying, I'm not going, you, you started doing things traditional, that's, your, that's what you said, but you learned how to get out of that and say, God, I'm going to be who you, call, who you called me to be. And that's so powerful. And I love the name of your church, Impact. I love the name of it. And, um, and like we just talked about, especially with the youth and young adults, and are there other things like practical things that you've done to engage with the younger generations or is it literally just being yourself and they just come, you just draw them that way? Um, I've, I've been really intentional about being around young people. Okay. So like instantly, in, in, like today, um, for instance, I go out to the high school on Monday Nice. And I just I just hang out with the kids. So usually I'm out there all day, um, and I just hang out with the kids. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they'll pull me in and let the kids do Q and A, and they ask me questions. And then as I build a relationship, they start to trust me. Um, so I'm just always around the kids. It does several things. It benefits them, but it also benefits me. Nice. Right? It helps me to feel younger, and it helps me to stay connected and relevant mm. to what to what they know and what they talk about. So I'm intentional about being around the kids and just being myself. Yeah. Um, so I don't go out to the school. When I go to the PE class, I don't just sit over there. I go, I, I play. Okay. You know, I jump out there. Um, I play basketball with the guys on Sunday. So all these things are things that I'm intentional about just being in their world. Yeah. Like we, I think one of the problems that we face in the church is that we want all the young people to come to where we are. So mm. we, we got to do the meeting at the church. You got to have youth there. Mm. Because I, I go to the school. I go to yes. the park where the kids are. And I'm always around them. And it builds respect. And it's gotten to a point now just to share. Um, now when we play pickup games on Sunday, mm -hmm. before we leave, they look forward to us praying together. Oh, my God. So I've developed that type of relationship that after we get done playing ball, yeah. we all come together and we pray before we leave. So I've been really intentional about just being where they are. And that's how I develop relationships with most young people. Oh, my goodness. That is absolutely amazing. I don't know if I've ever – and I've uh, I grew up as a, a, a pastor's kid, uh, just generations of pastors, grandparents, parents, um, you know, that are pastors. And I don't know if I've heard of many pastors that, that do that. They literally go to the schools and you're playing with the kids. No, that is what's needed. That is absolutely what's needed and what's going to get their attention because you let them know, I care about your heart. You know, this is, I'm, 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 I'm real with this, you know, and I want to see you grow. I want to see you go further than you are. I want to make sure that you're encouraged and you know your purpose at this young age. That is so powerful. And, and it would even be um, dope to hit the university, to, to have services 
in the universities on campus. You know, yeah. I think that would be so dope. Like you said, going to them, not necessarily always expecting everybody to come to you because truth be told, some people will never step foot never. in the church. Right. And that's just, it's just real. And Absolutely. so, um, my gosh, being open to go outside of the four walls, understanding that we are the church and wherever we go, that's where the church is. That's powerful. So keep going with that. That's so, so, so dope. Keep going with that. Definitely. And so if you could release a short message right now um, that you think everybody needs to hear, what, what would you, what would you release? What would you say? I think the thing that I would share um, that I think everybody in, in the kingdom world needs to needs mm -hmm. to hear is that no greater time than now is it that we should be relevant to the things around us. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest statistics that I, I feel I've ever read was that the world evolves every four years and the church every 20. Wow. Which means we're five times slower in mm -hmm. revolving than the world. So we can't win the battle against the world if we don't know what's going on with the world. Wow. So if I could tell leaders across the globe anything, stay relevant to those that are out there in the world. It's not saying that you got to take part in what they do. I'm not mm -hmm. telling anybody to go out and take part. But what I'm telling them that the Bible says to us that we're not of the world, but we're in the world. Yeah. So we have to stay relevant to the things that are going on. Technology, the church is slower. Mm. The, the, world, the world has kids now at two, three, four years old know how to work iPhone XR. Right. And you got people in the church that can't even work a PowerPoint presentation. Wow, right? so true. We, we got, so technology, we're behind. Everybody's visual now. People watch TV. They want to see. Be mm. more visual. We don't change the message never changes, but Come the on. method does. Yes. So I got so when a, when the when the young people and even the seasoned people walk into church and see the toilet on stage, right. instantly antennas go up. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're ready to receive what is what in the world is going on with this. So <laughs> right. I think if I can if I can send any message to us as leaders, mm -hmm. we gotta stay relevant to what's happening in the world and compete with it. And because we already we claim victory already. Because yes. who our savior is, the death, the resurrection, right. give us victory. But if we're not putting ourselves in a position to win, come on, we're gonna lose. So that would be my encouragement. Listen, put ourselves in position to win Ooh. by simply being relevant to the things that's going on around us. Come on, sir, that right there is a message. <laughs> putting ourselves in position to win. Absolutely. You can leave a message on that if you haven't. I'm trying to yeah. tell you that right there will free a lot of leaders. And I'm just right. gonna share this because um. Uh, God had to deal with, with me with this, but he also showed me like a lot of the church was dealing with the same situation. Just for instance, if somebody is, uh, has received a lot of prophetic words in their lives, but they just sit there and they're like, oh, thank you, God. You know, if you said that you're going to be the top, you know, book uh, author or bookseller in the world. And they get the message, they get the word, they hear God, and they're just like, thank you, God, thank you. And they're just praying, I thank you, God, for this top, you know, I'll be this top author and this and that, but they do nothing. It's like they forget the practical part of it. We have to come into agreement with God's right. word. We have to understand that God is not going to, you know, a hand is not going to come out of the sky and write that book for us. He empowers right. us. He encourages us to go ahead and he'll give us what to say, but we have to 
turn on the computer, start writing, go on the phone, yes. start writing because it literally, we are part of the prosperity, um, our prosperity in our lives as well. So a lot of people in the church, they don't realize that. And right. that's why you literally can see somebody sitting there for 20, 30 years and die with one prophecy fulfilled and people get upset. God, you never did this. And he's like, no, right. I've been waiting on you. You, you know, yes. yes, I have been waiting on you. So mm. once we understand that, then people will begin to see more of the manifestation. Like you said, be relevant. Like right. the reality of things, we are in a world that change. And yes. we have to be willing to change with the things of the world. Like you said, it's not watering down our um, authenticity with God, our relationship with God, but it's letting people know, like, I'm going to be ahead of the game as well. We serve a God that literally knows everything and see everything, but how can we be so far back and, and, right. and not even, my gosh, and, you know, not even uh, in the, the measurement, having the correct measurement with, with other things around us. So that right there is so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for your time. I, this has been powerful. And I know so many people are going to be encouraged by the message. So many people are going to, their lives are going to change because every time I do these podcasts, my life, you know, change even more. And I wow. have something that I need to hear. And I'm like, okay, God, you, you told me to do this, but the people that are coming on here are blessing me. So thank you for being a blessing. Um, how can people get in contact with you for speaking engagements, et cetera? I mean, do you have, and, and then I've heard you mention a book that you have out. How can people get a hold of the book? Um, so right now the website is under um, construction. Okay. So I'm just doing it directly. They can contact me um, on any of my social media handles okay. on Facebook. It's just my name, James Earl Cray. On Twitter and Instagram is J underscore Earl underscore Cray. Um, of course, you can search just my name, James Earl Cray, and it's there. So you can connect with me um, through those social media handles, and uh, I can get you access to T-shirt, to book, whatever it is that you desire to to help in supporting the ministry. Yeah. Um, so those are the ways to, to reach out to me. In order for engagements, I have an assistant, Logan Wilkins. Okay. Um, and you can always email her at Logan, L-O-G-A-N, at jecray.org um, about any engagements, any anything that you want to connect with me on. So those are my, my connections. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that. And I do have a question. Where did you get that shirt? Is that your shirt? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah, my goodness, yeah. you guys. If you are looking at this, definitely reach out today. Reach out the day that you see this on here. Everybody, I'm going to reach out and get one. Everybody needs to get that shirt. Support this man of God because he has a heart for God. This is kingdom work, and it's it's appealing. It definitely is appealing. It's dope. So, you guys, if you um are listening to the podcast and you can't see it, hit him up. Go on his social media sites. Get with him because your life is going to be changed. And then I want to just remind everybody to also go to Amazon to check out my two books that I have. Um, the Loud Secret is on Amazon. You can go ahead and grab that in paperback form. It, could be, it will be sent to you. And then my latest project is The Singles Let's Deliberate. And the project mm. is talking about let's prepare for relationships. Don't just be in a dire need, desperate to be connected with somebody, but go through your healing process. Go through whatever it is that you need to go through before thinking you're going to connect with somebody because you don't want to bleed on somebody that had nothing to do with the wound. All right, you guys. So go on to Amazon, grab those, um, grab those books and support. 
And like I always like to end to say, and remember to renew your mind. It is the gold mine. Love you guys. From the beginning, you told me to reign. From Genesis to Revelation, you called me by my first name. A king, a priest, a royal priesthood. So these tests and trials I face definitely misunderstood the addict you sent. But I remind hell daily that they chose the wrong lady. No matter how long the fight is, heaven's army is at attention. Willing and ready to fight to end all contention. These words I speak are sharper than any two-edged sword. Knocking down the doors of resistance, darkness, and strife. I know that if I keep standing and speaking your word everything will be all right even though the constant battle from what you said to what i see may try to pervert my faith and push me off my path of destiny i'll choose to keep standing following your purpose and not give in the call was answered another season of my life begins through the good bad and ugly my yes still stands because you're bigger than anything you have the ultimate command Empower me with Aerie.